Our scripture from the, for the morning is a very weird story in the Bible, okay? It's like top five weirdest stories in the Bible. Take, take, my, take my word for it. And the reason that I want to share it is because it has sort of this feeling, this mysterious feeling that God can speak to us spiritually through things that when we first see them, they don't make any sense, right? When we first real, we see something in our life and it's weird and it's strange and we wonder what's up. And then we realize that God is actually speaking a word to us. And I don't know if you believe in that or not, uh, but I want to ask, I invite you to kind of open up your heart to the, to the thing that God could actually speak to you. And we've been talking about mental health here at Providence for the last few weeks. We'll uh, be finishing that up next Sunday. And a big part of sort of uh, struggling with mental health, uh, anxiety, depression, burnout, addiction, whatever it might be, is there's, there's sometimes this sense, or it has been in my life, where you're like, why is this happening? Or what's going on here? Or God, what are, you, what are you trying to show me in the midst of this? But sometimes anxiety, depression, it can just be such a thing that it's just a thing in itself. It just pushes you down. It pushes against you. It, it weighs you down. And you don't have any spiritual energy to really think like, what is God saying to me in this? Or what does this even mean? But again, what I want to just introduce this morning is this idea that some of the real stuff we struggle with could be, I believe, an opportunity for God to show you something in the spirit that could lead you to healing. That it's not just a darkness that you're going through. It's not just the waking up in the middle of the night with your heart pounding or however anxiety might express itself for you. It can feel so meaningless, but we believe that our God speaks to us, has something to say, and, and has a light that can shine in the darkness. That's what, um, uh, but you're gonna, you're gonna hear this story at, at first and be like, that has nothing to do with anything. And that's, if that's what you leave with, I get it. It's, it's really weird, but I wanna share it with you. So hang on, it's Daniel chapter five. And uh, it's just really just a story. So here it has a story. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So just a quick pause. This is a, during a time when the people of God had been taken captive by Babylon. It was a Babylonian captivity. There, there had been a king, Nebuchadnezzar. He'd done all kinds of bad stuff. And now this is his son, Belshazzar. But Belshazzar's throwing this big party, thousand people, and they're drinking wine from the goblets that they stole from the holy temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles as wives and his concubines might drink from them. Verse three says, so they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. This is where it gets weird. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace, the king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking because there was a floating hand writing on his wall. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen... 
Hearing the voices of the king and his nobles came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. She says, there's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. So the queen's saying, you forgot about somebody that your dad had noticed, who was one of these captives, who had a very special uh, intelligence and ability to discern spiritual things. She's telling him about it. She says, he did this because Daniel, that's who she's talking about, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king and the king said to him, are you Daniel? One of the exiles, my father, the king brought from Judah. I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. Hang with me. Okay. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now, I've heard that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. And if you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you'll be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel gives this total awesome boss answer. He says, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. So what happens then is Daniel shares with this king Belshazzar that his dad had done the same sins that he was doing now. He says, man, you're just following right in the footsteps of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar lost his humility and his willingness to see what God was doing, and it led to destruction for Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Belshazzar, his son is the king. He's like, you're doing the same things. And this is what he, this is what he says. He says, Daniel says to the king, you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. I'll say that again. He says, you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. What he's saying is you're doing all this stuff that is way outside the bounds of understanding who God was. And then I know you've been dying to know, what did the hand write on the wall, right? It tells us the hand wrote, this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Get it? <laughs> no, no. We're like, What? And that's what they were like. They were like, what? It's written on the wall. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Which they would have had a little bit more uh, lean in than we do because it was written in a language that some of them would understand. It's written in an ancient language called Aramaic. These were words, it, this is weird, okay? These were words that described currency, like current money of the kingdom. Mene was like a penny. Uh, tekel ends up being uh, translated into shekel which they still use today. And parson was this idea of parse like, uh, like half of a dollar. It was parsed in two. It still means nothing in that moment. And it's really kind of freaky for a hand to have written it on the wall, right? Just a hand wrote, mene, mene, tekel, parson. So Daniel says, I'll tell you what it means. Here's what the words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. He's speaking directly to the king, okay? Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And then Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That night, King Belshazzar is killed 
in his sleep, and a new king by the next morning has taken the throne. This is the word of God for the people of God, right? It's like, yeah. It's weird. Why? Why would this story be there? We've been talking, just um, an aside from what, we've been talking about mental health, right? Um, We've looked at this verse where Jesus says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one believes in me should stay in darkness. But so often mental health feels like darkness and the struggle with it feels like darkness and the, uh, the wrestling with it feels like I don't understand. And so I was wondering, you know, is this story put in the Bible just to be a weird story for us to kind of laugh at? It gives us this phrase, the handwriting on the wall that we still use to mean different things today. Well, maybe, but we believe that the Bible holds God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. And we believe, even though this word of prophecy, we're not kings who, I don't, I don't imagine any of you are kings who threw parties last night with stolen goblets from the church. <laughs> so it's like, does this have anything to do with my life? But we believe that God has something to say to us. And so what I've been wondering, this is a, uh, you have to enter into this, a willingness in the spirit with me today would be, what if some of the things that we're experiencing in our physical life, our mental life, some of the struggle that we're going through could be like the handwriting on the wall? That if we paid attention to it, it's like, what is God trying to say? Now hear me, I know everybody's been here the last couple of weeks, we've acknowledged the realness of mental health, uh, the physical parts of it, that the way doctors and counselors and medication can be a big help for that. That's been a part of my life. But spiritually, What if we opened ourselves up to say some of the things we're experiencing, God might be trying to show us something. So often when you struggle with mental health, you want to think, what's underneath it? How did I get here? Is there anything of meaning to do with this? And so I want to take these three ancient words that God wrote on a wall spiritually, clearly to bring like a supernatural word into a specific time. Not to say that we would receive the word that the king got. That was a specific prophecy. But is there something that God would want to say to us because his Holy Spirit inspired it to be in our Bible so that we could hear from it today? I hope you're up for that experiment. The three words are mene, which means numbered. These are the the interpretations that Daniel gives. Tekel, which means weighed. And peres, that's the singular version of the word you saw, parson, which is divided. So let's look at it for a bit. Mene means numbered. Now remember the prophecy given to the king in this day was God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. So for him, there was a specific word about what numbered meant, but we know through the authority of the scriptures that our lives being numbered is something that applies to all of us. Did you know that? That your days are actually numbered. And I don't mean that as a negative thing or a scary thing to be thinking about, oh no, it's gonna end. What I'm saying is that God has purposed your days by numbering them, which means God's up, which means if we've got this day, there is a whole lot of purpose in it for each one of us. There's, there's verses like this. This is from Job. It says, a person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. That means no matter how many spa treatments you have or gym memberships you have, you cannot exceed the limits that God has numbered for your life. 
You cannot be God of your life and you cannot exceed the determinations that God has for you. So um, the writing on the wall, when we look at our lives so often, we realize, man, my days are numbered. Did anybody's body tell you this morning, my days are numbered, (laughs) right? Like for some of us, we're like, no kidding, buddy. I know this. We have the evidence that in fact we have limitations. So that would be another way of understanding the word uh, mene is that we have limited days and limited bodies. And so often our mental health struggles are connected to a numbered day system that we live in. Our bodies are aching or our anxiety is connected to uh, the fact that days are numbered or someone we love's days are numbered and that kind of thing. That's the, I know it's not something we wanna talk about all the time, but it's that is the existence that we live in. And for those of us who follow God, this is not an opportunity just to go to despair. This is an opportunity to see purpose in your life. So limitations are always an opportunity to step into purpose. Think about what limitations do. They hone things in. So you're like, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that. I'm not gifted at that. And what happens is you could look at that as being really negative or you could say, man, I'm actually being shown the purposed steps that I am to step into. This day has been given to me. This body has been given to me. This relationship has been given to me. Those are determinations that I am getting to be a part of. So I want to Again, acknowledge the realness of mental health, but for some of us, there could be power in seeing that the things that I'm facing, my numbered days are an opportunity for me to see the purpose that God has for me. So often we think purpose is just gonna be found in the great stuff, the good stuff and stuff going our way. That's not the truth. The truth is we have suffering, we have limitations, we have things that we face in this real life and they are purposed by God. Let's dig a little deeper, okay? The next word is tekel, which means weighed. So let's look at the prophecy that was given to the king. He says, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Nobody likes to step on the scales, right? (laughs) The scales show us real reality that oftentimes we don't want to see. And King Belshazzar, when he was put spiritually, when his life was put on the scales, he was found wanting. And guess what? We will too. When you begin to throw your life on the scales, the things that really matters, most, many times you'll find, I got some things that are out of balance. When I really, when I'm honest and place my life on the scales, I find that there are things that are wanting. Probably most everybody in the room doesn't have their life going just exactly the way they want it to go at every moment of their life. Instead, when you get on the scales, you're like, oh, okay, I shouldn't eat the pizza last night or whatever, you know. We are found wanting. And so the writing on the wall often shows that we are overwhelmed. When we put our life on the scales, when we kind of see our shaking hands or the way it's affecting our mind, we see that, man, I'm really just kind of overwhelmed right now. So another way of understanding tekel or wade, a word that we might receive, is just what does it mean or what does it look like to be overwhelmed? I meet with people all the time. Uh, I love doing it. I love getting to connect with people. And I can just tell you, I'm, I hope, I don't want to exaggerate because I, but almost everybody I meet with now, almost everybody I meet with, we end up saying towards the end, ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot. What I'm saying is most of us are not facing one thing in our life. We could handle it or two things. I could keep up with that. Most of us have a lot going on in our lives and we feel overwhelmed. 
I found a lot of people in their 30s and their 40s right now, you know, maybe have kids and all kinds of things going on. You know, right at the top of the list is, I feel overwhelmed. Now, people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, they, they're good to go. Everything's fine. No problems. Okay? But no, of course not. So many of us feel overwhelmed. Here's the cool thing about God. Being overwhelmed is an invitation to trust. Being overwhelmed is like a great place to find yourself because you'll be like, I got really only one step I can take and that is to go deeper in trust. We say here at Providence Church, God can be trusted. How do we know God can be trusted? He has a track record for it in our lives. He's shown himself faithful over and over and over and over. And so if right now is a particularly overwhelming time in your life, as a follower of God, you could hear this word and say, that is God calling me deeper into trusting him to trust him, to trust him, to trust him. The third word uh, given to the king was Perez, this old Aramaic word. Who knows if it has anything for us today? But for the king, it meant your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. The word Perez just means divided. And we have so much push and pull in our lives that we can feel divided. We could say, I wanna be the best dad. I wanna be the best mom. I wanna, I wanna take care of my parents, but... The truth is we're often divided in a lot of different ways. And when a heart is divided, another word for that is broken. And so often with the things that we encounter, our mental health underneath it, you're like, what's underneath this? Brokenness. There's brokenness in every story. I know there's brokenness in yours, but you're not alone in that. Every one of us within our families, within our stories, within our histories, there's these deep moments of brokenness that actually lead to broken hearts. Uh, some of you uh, will, will know that uh, Abraham Lincoln had this famous speech, which was, a house divided cannot stand. Have you heard that? A house divided cannot stand. And Abraham Lincoln was speaking about the condition of our nation, you know, in the mid-1800s. It was actually a speech that he gave when he was um, running for senator of Illinois. So it wasn't a presidential speech. He could already see the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall of a nation. We got to pay attention to this, right? A writing on the wall of a nation that's divided and fighting will not stand. It's dangerous to have something that's supposed to be unified that's coming against each other over and over. So Lincoln gave this famous speech. He was, of course, referring to the condition of slavery in the southern states and the northern states. He's like, this is not going to make it. But did you know that Abraham Lincoln was actually quoting someone else when he said, a house divided cannot stand? Some of you do. That line is word for word from Jesus' mouth. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. But Jesus was not talking about a nation. Uh, he was talking about a heart. He was actually talking about his own heart. The people were accusing Jesus of being divided. They were saying, you serve God, but you also serve Satan. Jesus was like, no way. A house divided cannot stand. What he was saying is if you see me working miracles and you see me uh, casting out demons, there's only one power at work because my heart is singularly focused on, on the Lord. Now for us, we're humans, broken sin in the world. We have all kinds of divisions, all kinds of brokenness. But the word for us is to examine our hearts and see are there places in me that are divided. 
You see, the writing on the wall for most of us will say, your heart is broken. Most of us wouldn't want to admit that, but, but really the truth is we have brokenness in our hearts. So when, when you begin to try to get underneath your mental health, you will see, oh, my heart is actually broken. So what does that mean? So the next slide, the writing on the wall is your heart is broken, but brokenness is an invitation with God to deeper intimacy with him. It's this beautiful setup that God is not in any way gonna let the broken condition of our world be a setup for our demise or our despair or our discouragement. He's speaking words to show us, to open up our hearts, to say, all of this is an invitation for you to go closer and closer to me. I had somebody send me a, an email this week. Sometimes I joke about emails. I love y'all's emails. You know, send them away. It's fine. Uh, but I've gotten lots of emails during this series about how we're doing, right? And we've, we've corresponded or got together and talked. And uh, this one lady emailed me and she said, um, she said, I'm in my 60s and I'm still dealing with this thing. She was, you know, like I'd been saying, like sometimes you just feel shame and embarrassment, like I'm still working on this. And she asked me, she said, is that evidence of a lack of faith for me? Really good question, you know? She's like, does that mean I don't have this down? Does that mean I'm not, you know, on the advanced course of faith? And uh, I was thinking about her email. I was actually driving to Chattanooga to see my daughter and I pulled off at a Starbucks and I couldn't stop thinking about her email. And so I just wrote her back and I wanted to share it with you. I just said, you know, I don't think that you still struggling with this means that you lack faith. I think that it means you're normal. That's what I think because the evidence of the most faithful people of God is that our hearts ache sometimes and they experience brokenness. And we think, why am I still struggling with this? And why am I still suffering? And so the answer is not really the answers we usually grasp over, which is like to have more control of my life or to figure out how to beat this. It's to totally relinquish ourselves to God and step into a deeper intimacy with him. And so the word that we have been speaking, the word for us is not Nene Tekel Paris. In fact, I think this is my last time I'm ever gonna preach on that. You know, it's just like too weird, you know? The word for us is Jesus. Jesus is the name given to God's son. It's the name that we're told at the end of time, every knee is going to bow to and every tongue is gonna to confess. And so the word that God has spoken into creation is the word Jesus. In fact, Jesus is called the word made flesh. And so what we have access to is the greatest power that we could and that is through the name of Jesus. So I just wanna pray with you just for a few moments. Uh, allowing yourself to kind of think about what's the writing on the wall right now in your life. I just invite you to go into a place of prayer, maybe open up your hands, uh, think about how you're feeling, maybe pay attention to your body, pay attention to your heart. Let's pray. And God, I just wanna speak over uh, my friends in the room and those who are online, a word that we know you've given us, and that is this, Jesus, 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 Jesus. God, would you help us see up underneath some of the things that we're feeling? Would you lead us towards hope and healing and wholeness? But most of all, God, we're just asking supernaturally that you would still uh, speak to us. Speak to us the word and the name and the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The one who made the ultimate sacrifice for us was resurrected from the grave.